The Forum at 8 on SAFM. It's now eight minutes past eight. This morning on the forum, we look at the impact and effectiveness of cabinet reshuffles. While some reshuffling of ministers are often inevitable, some commentators say reshuffles do have a negative impact on the effectiveness of government. They say even the most able minister needs time to become familiar with a new brief, adding that whenever someone is moved to a new post, there will be an inevitable delay before they are fully effective, particularly when the new minister has no previous experience of the subject area. Today we ask this question, so do cabinet reshuffles impact on a government policy? Joining us to discuss this, Minister Collins Chabani, Minister in the Presidency for Performance Monitoring and Evaluation in our Pretoria studio. Very good morning to you, Minister. No, good morning. Ibrahim Fakir is Manager, Governance, Institutions and Processes at the Electoral Institute for the Sustainability of Democracy in Africa, ASA. Very good morning to you. Hi, morning to Pistone, morning to your listeners. Professor Somat Dota Figeni, Professor <coughs> at UNISA, as well as Independent Policy and Political Analyst, a warm welcome to you as well. Well, good morning to you, to the Minister, to Ibrahim and your listeners. Let's first start with you, Minister. The concerns obviously have arisen from what some see as a, a, a disturbance of if there has been a program of action implemented by a new minister or whether or not the minister in place has been effective in either implementing policy that exists or one that they've introduced themselves. Are, are these valid concerns? Let's just first start there. Normally, the the program of action of government is is a collective effort arising out of the manifesto and therefore implemented by cabinet. And once cabinet have agreed, and then those things need to be implemented. If there are changes which need to be made, they have to come back to cabinet again. So, any changes <coughs> is dependent on what uh, cabinet agrees as what is it that needs to be done. The responsibility of ministers, though is to ensure that uh, in, implement, in implementing those and if there are challenges, to bring them back to the collective for discussion to see what new areas need to be introduced or to be changed. But nevertheless, otherwise the program should remain as it is. So you would agree with me that policy outlines what a government ministry hopes to achieve and the methods and principles it will use to achieve them? Yes. Uh, in, in determining that program, uh, there is a work plan which is uh, put out by the department for the implementation of the policy. And therefore, the, the department itself has to implement what cabinet suggests needs to be done. Would you also agree that implementation of that policy would also depend on the interpretation of thereof by the individual charged with political leadership of that cabinet post? The... The role of a minister is critical, particularly in our system. But you need to take into account that uh, there are people who are employed to do the implementation, who act also as advisors to the minister, like uh, the director general and the senior officials in the various departments. Those are the people who are critical in the implementation of policy. Um, But however, the ministers themselves, as political heads, uh, give strategic direction and ensure that the, um, the aims and objectives of cabinet uh, are, are fulfilled. 
Uh, again, I ask this question in, because it's very important for listeners to understand that uh, interpretation of that policy. I mean, at a policy conference which you mentioned where some of these issues are tabled, you may find uh, people at different sides of the divide, but there obviously is an agreement on what the way forward is. But the implementation thereof would depend on the political head that has been tasked with that. Do you agree that it may be dependent on the interpretation of that policy by that individual? Yes. Um, it, it, it is a lot of factors. Amongst them is that what we are raising, that the interpretation and the understanding of the political head and the speed at which it is delivered uh, is also dependent on how uh, the role players there see it fit. So you are, to that extent, you're correct. Mm-hmm. So e- even though there's uh, draft discussion documents, green papers, <coughs> white papers on the policy that clearly outline that, but I- in terms of ensuring that those objectives are achieved, you did mention speed, etc., that would uh, lie with the, the political head of that department. Yes. Well, let's uh, come then to you, Ibrahim Fakir, your sense of whether... In the past or recent past, we have seen impact on policy as a result of uh, cabinet reshuffles, negative or positive. Sabiso, I mean, I think you're always going to have a mixed picture. You're going to have a mixed picture because there's there's often um, uh, good reason to first ask the question why there was a cabinet reshuffle or why there was, in fact, a recall. Because in some cases, it's not just a reshuffling of a cabinet, it's actually recalling people from, from positions. So there's an intimate link between why it was done, the reason it was done, and, and often the sagaciousness of the decisions which have been made. That means have they had a good effect or a bad effect? And I think there's a mixed picture. There's some cases in which there's been an improvement in the responsiveness, the accountability, the effectiveness of the implementation, uh, continuity and stability. Uh, in the way in which cabinet is functioning, the way in which certain portfolios are being implemented, uh, and, and you see improvements in service delivery. And we can take a very obvious example from this very last reshuffle, um, and in, in this case, of course, a recall of, of the Minister in Communications, where, in fact, there were deep problems, not just allegations of corruption, but really serious blockages in the way in which there was implementation or absolutely no movement, and probably on four areas. One is the question of where, in fact, you're sitting, the SABC, governance issues at the SABC, operational issues at the SABC, the way in which the board functions and provides oversight and provides leadership to the actual operational managers and so forth. And that, that's had an impact on programming, on content, uh, and a whole range of other issues. The mm-hmm. second is the migration towards digital broadcasting. The third is dealing with the question of cell phone providers, uh, costs in the cell phone connectivity, the cost of data packaging, and, and, and then the entire regulation of the ICT sector. So you think about four important issues which actually have a direct impact on citizens and the poor. There was a reshuffle. I mean, this was a minister who came in after the previous minister. Uh, uh, there was, there was, there was um, after the 2009 elections, uh, Sipiu Nyanda, uh, replaced by Dina Pule. No real improvement in any of those four areas outlined. So, so quite critically, you know, no responsiveness, no movement in effectiveness, no cohesion, no continuity, no stability. And I think those four considerations matter a great deal 
for why you have a, 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 a reshuffle or recall. Now, in my view, if you take this very instance in which there was a reshuffle, you're talking about a reshuffle literally nine or ten months before an election. And whether some of these people return to their portfolios uh, is going to matter for whether there is stability and continuity in that portfolio. It may very well be that you've got senior bureaucrats who know the terrain, who know what they're supposed to do, who can brief the minister, and the minister can provide political leadership. But there must be an element of continuity because there's a period of adaptability, a period of, of, of developing a working routine, developing subject familiarity. That takes time. And if you've got press issues like in the Ministry of Communications, um, time is of the essence. Mm -hmm. And precisely on that point, I mean those who express scepticism, for instance, on why there are certain reshuffles cite the issue of uh, political expediency versus policy leadership. And we we heard a lot of that rhetoric post-Polukwani, that of continuity and change. But that would all depend on very strategic sectors and even portfolios, whether you implement continuity or change in policy. Well, I think there's also a third element, and that's the element of transparency. So, and I think if you have a government who's literally telling you, actually, we don't owe you any explanations for why we've, we've made a reshuffle, then we're sitting here making deep speculations uh, on the balance between uh, policy leadership uh, and political reward. We're not sure why uh, decisions are made, and we, we left speculating whether in some instances it is about the question of political reward, and in some instances it's, it's literally punishment, and in other instances it is about political leadership. Now, I think if you take two of these portfolios, empirically in the last cabinet reshuffle and recall. I think in the Ministry of Communications and in the Ministry of, of Traditional Leadership and, and Cooperative Governance or Cooperative Governance and Traditional Leadership, I think it was very obvious that it was a sound uh, governance decision to replace these two ministers and to recall the sitting ministers at the time simply because there was no serious movement in those two portfolios. Mm-hmm. I've outlined what happened in communications. Now, if you take cooperative governance and traditional leadership, they've had literally four turnaround strategies over the last three years. They've had instability in the political leadership because you had one minister who had to be uh, recalled and then subsequently passed away, replaced by a minister, didn't actually see uh, any implementation on any of those turnaround strategies, deep problems in communities. Literally one on average would come, 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 come out on the streets every week. So you're talking about four or five protests um, around the country a month. Uh, you've got serious problems in the way in which the department actually oversees municipalities. Now, of course, there are certain interventions which have been made uh, under the Constitution where municipalities aren't functioning. You've got interventions in provinces, but has that been enough? Has okay. there been sufficient responsiveness to communities? No, there isn't. So in those instances, I think there were good, sound governance policy decisions uh, made. Mm-hmm. In other instances where there ought to have been a reshuffle or a recall, and we can talk about those portfolios, uh, there was no such decision being made. And in one instance, there's, 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 there's the perception, because government doesn't communicate, that the minister was removed because it's punishment for being on the wrong side of the ANC's internal mangaung hangover. Now, it may be completely wrong. The speculation may be incorrect, but if a government refused to speak to its people and its citizens, then they simply left speculating. Okay, we'll get the minister to talk to that point in just a moment. But Professor Figeni, let me come to you. The minister spoke about ministry 
ministerial advisors who are tasked with ensuring that uh, policy uh, is implemented. Now, would you say if ministers are moved around, therefore their advisors, that impacts on the institutional memory of a department and its ability to effectively implement that policy? Without any doubt, uh, so in fact, one of South Africa's major problems, which has been identified even by the governing party itself, is the fact that we do have a series of good policies, but the policy turnover is very high. And one of the reasons identified in each one of the two last national congresses is the one of the changing ministers which is followed by changing policies, and very often it leads to the change with the DGs and the senior managers, and that obliterates institutional memory. And there is empirical evidence to this effect. And which departments would you single out as uh, attesting to this? Well, there are many departments. You take the one that Ibrahim has mentioned, the cooperative governance. Shitega has national consultations just to single one case, and they come up with a turnaround strategy. He leaves the office. The emphasis on the turnaround starts dying down, and it's no more. And then a new person comes in, new strategies, new emphasis, new personnel comes in. Same with the Department of Education. Kadas Mal had opted and campaigned very strongly for measures, closure of colleges. He leaves the scene. Some of the measures are being reversed, reviewed, and there is a policy regret that such things had ever taken place. And when the blame for such things was taking place, it was pointed towards Kadas Mal, because even where you have collective decisions by cabinet, they are often sponsored by, advocated by the ministers. Well, we're going to take your calls on 0891 that's the SMS uh, hotline that you can use to join in on the conversation. We're asking the question whether or not cabinet reshuffles impact on government policy. So do call us. If I could appeal to the listeners to just keep it as brief as possible. We do have quite a lot of SMSs and calls coming through 891 South Africa's already constrained power system is put under severe strain as the cold weather sets in. Please switch off your geysers, pool pumps, and non-essential appliances during the evening peak period. Minimize the use of electric heaters, especially during the peak period between 5 p.m. and 9 p.m. by dressing warmly, using gas heaters, hot water bottles, and blankets. So keep warm while using less electricity and help us beat the peak to keep South Africa powered up. ESCOM. Powering your world. Join me, Hilton Tarrant, every weeknight at 6 for the SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. With breaking business news, expert analysis, investment insights, and the story behind the story, we're helping you make sense of the markets and your money. That's the Market Update, weeknights right here on SAFM at 6. We are gathered here today to bid a sad farewell to a business that passed away in the prime of its life. Tideship Enterprises was just 30 years young when it succumbed to bad debt. It will be missed by directors, managers, staff, suppliers, and who knows how many dependents.
Large orders can make your business. Not getting paid, however, can break it. Credit Guarantee provides easy solutions to preserve your profitability. Visit creditguarantee.co.za for complete peace of mind. Credit Guarantee. Why risk it without us? Credit Guarantee is an accredited financial services provider. What do you give a man who forever changed South Africa and the world? Let there be justice for all. Let there be peace for all. Let there be work, bread, water, and salt for all. Let each know that for each, the body, the mind, and the soul have been freed to fulfill themselves. On July 18th, SAFM heads to the rural outskirts of Limpopo. We're completing the construction of two daycare centers in remote villages for hundreds of underprivileged children. And they're awaiting your donations, clothes, books, shoes, stationery, educational material and toys can be delivered to the SABC studios in Johannesburg and Limpopo until July 16th. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. It is in your hands to create a better world for all who live in it. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. 891 uh, We're taking your calls on this number. Of course, uh, we're asking the question whether or not there is an impact on policies when there are cabinet reshuffles. Gift in Port Elizabeth, you say reshuffle has no impact on government policies. Uh, yes, Tepiso, it doesn't have an impact. Let me just say this, Tepiso, in a minute because I know you don't have time. Look, I think first and foremost, Tepiso, is the fact that in our system of government, the president holds executive authority, which delegates to various ministries. Part of this responsibility is oversight over the cabinet. Let me give you an example. The president says, here is a program. This is what we want to do. Here is your portfolio, and here is your budget. How are you going to do this? The second question is then to establish milestones and, and factor them into programs. It's not the president's dictation, but the ministers who set the target for what will be done in, say, the first six months. The fact is ministers retain executive authority in their line of functions and departments. This is what ministers do and, and what remains their job. But lastly, Sepiso, and I think all of us must understand that one of the critical weaknesses in our administration in the past 18 years has been in our ability to monitor the impact of our programs on society. And I think we also need to be able to evaluate whether we can complete projects. And, 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 and this is a very critical matter. Thanks a lot, Gift. Raymond in Midrand. Minimal impact, you say? Hi, Sepiso. Well, uh, first of all, I think this impact normally, okay, um, the impact on government negatively, because you recall that uh, if some of the policies for you to implement them, it will take you maybe not less than five years. So basically what we've seen in the government is that we've seen people coming in and going. Unfortunately, what the government is lacking here, you see, whenever a minister takes over from someone, they need to be guidelines. So someone has to adopt that uh, method, which uh, this is a strategy. This is what we are willing to achieve. It will take us maybe five years. So people, they have to stick to those rules. So unfortunately, when people they come, they change all those things. So what you're going to have here, politicians, they come, they go, one after another, nothing happens on the ground. That's Raymond in Midrand, 891 Let me come back to you, Minister Chabani. Uh, perhaps let me start uh, with Gif's uh, uh, point that uh, the impact of our programs on society are very rarely understood or measured. Now, uh, we have what we call delivery agreements that were introduced in 2010. 
perhaps if you could just give us a sense of whether that is being employed now and if there's any minister whose tenure has been extended or one that has been cut short as a result of those delivery agreements. Um, let, let me start by saying you, you did say, and I, I think everybody said that uh, <coughs> the reason for the changes in cabinet mm. are normally in our system not, uh, not divulged by the, by the authority which makes that decision with the president. But, however, with regards to the delivery agreements and the programs which have been agreed upon to be implemented, in a situation where there's a change of a minister, we do not revise the delivery agreement because the minister has changed, because that has been agreed in the direction which we need to go. What then happens is that the minister is, who comes in is kept up to speed to the issues there and to say what the, the minister is going to do in a discussion with the president to, to ensure that the the implementation continues. So that does not change at all as a result of... But what you monitor is the, the, effect, the effectiveness, the efficacy of uh, on government performance and providing service delivery. So who do you monitor and evaluate exactly? Is it the individual or the portfolio? We, we, we have programs uh, which we, from time to time, will communicate to the public. And we hope the public is able to, to check that. And, and, and that's what we, we put in our website uh, for the public to be able to see as to what is it that we're, that we're monitoring. We do monitor programs. We do monitor the departments. Currently, we're, Im- we're embarking on the evaluations of the various programs so that we see the impact they make <coughs> in society out there. So there are various steps which are taken in order to deal with those issues. And the individual, as in the political head, is they monitoring thereof? We monitor government programs, and then the, the president then deals with the issue of the, the, the ministers, as we, as we or always say, that the ministers and deputy ministers and whoever who has entered into an agreement with the president, the president's responsibility mm. to do that. To the, as a point that Ibrahim Fikir was uh, mentioning earlier on, and of course he can uh, come in at a later stage and perhaps put it in a better sense if I'm getting it wrong, but what he was saying is precisely that, the fact that cabinet reshuffles, there is no information as to whether or not they are linked to performance, that the government or the president doesn't take us into his confidence and say actually in line with government objectives, this has not been achieved or this has been achieved, so-and-so has performed well, therefore. But as I said, our system, <coughs> as, as you know, is a, is a matter which was debated quite interestingly mm. during the time when the constitution was drafted as to whether when the president appoints ministers or the premier appoints MECs, you, do you have to give reasons as to why you are appointing a particular one because each and every member of parliament or member of the legislature is eligible to be appointed. Uh, but you can appoint everybody. But what reasons do you give for the appointment? And it is those reasons which you give for the appointment, which you take for appointments, which probably influence the decision to 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 uh, remove somebody from responsibility. And that is why that part of that has been at the constitution itself has been very clear that that's the prerogative of the president or the premier for to do the appointment okay. and their shelf. Well, I'll come back to Ibrahim Fikir and uh, Professor Somat Dr. Fikir in just a moment to respond to that. We have to take news headlines now and an update with Rob Byrne, but we'll continue with the conversation. Join us for it, if you'd like. Do cabinet reshuffles impact on government policy? 891 That's the SMS hotline to write per SMS and our Twitter handle at AIM Live on SAFM.
8.30 news headlines with Fabashni Chetty. Forum at 8 on SAFM. Just about 22 minutes to 9 and just a reminder that SABC Telcom and Nelson Mandela Center of Memory invites you to record a birthday message for Madiba. You can call this number 0800-333-803 to leave your message. In less than a minute, standard rates do apply. The SABC will broadcast some of the messages. And of course on Thursday, on the birthday of Utata Nelson Mandela, we will be looking at his living legacy, how to ensure that. But back to our forum at 8 this morning. Do cabinet reshuffles impact on government policy? This is the question we ask. Minister Collins Chabani, Minister in the Presidency for Performance Monitoring and Evaluation in our Pretoria Studios. Ibrahim Fakir, Manager, Governance, Institutions and Processes at the Electoral Institute for the Sustainability of Democracy in Africa is on the line with us, as well as Professor Somat Dottafigeni, Professor at UNISA, Independent Policy and Political Analyst. I'd like to just come back to you, Ibrahim Fakir, on uh, what Minister Chabani was saying on your point of uh, the fact that, uh, you know, government unfortunately does not take us into its confidence. But uh, he was saying that in terms of the delivery agreements that exist, what they basically do is monitor the systems. Is that a way of ensuring that the different cabinet ministers do indeed follow the policy that exists? Is that Are we able really to track, you know, in a credible manner whether or not this does happen if the individual themselves is not looked at? Well, I think it's very difficult to always just separate the individual from the portfolio or the person from the portfolio. I mean, they're often they're often quite closely linked. So if you're looking at if you're looking at the performance of the department, you aren't just looking at some machine which is functioning on autopilot. I mean, there's people involved here, and you, inevitably you're dealing with people. Now, I can imagine uh, that Minister Chavani is, is is correct. I mean, I think that's the way they go about doing it. They want to monitor a department, and I'm also just by the way. So not suggesting that we want to be in the president's mind uh, at every moment for every decision he makes. I mean, clearly that would be impossible. No one, no one's expecting that he's going to explain every single cabinet appointment he makes and every move he decides to make in a cabinet. I mean, clearly there's some times where he has not just the prerogative but the right in terms of the Constitution to do so because we imbue him with this executive power. But at the same time, we mustn't think that he exercises this executive power and authority in complete isolation from his own personal and, and his party's political instincts and political survival. Now, if you take the way in which this reshuffle has happened, the time at which it's, it's happened, the context in which, it, it, in which it's happened, there's been massive contestation within the ANC, uh, particularly coming out of Mangaung. There's perceptions, and, and now perceptions even about a province like Gauteng, that internal ANC machinations and the president's own survival are the reasons, political survival, that is, make, are, are the reasons which, which provide the rationale for the kind of executive decisions he makes. Now, where there is such widespread perception and you have a party which is becoming increasingly oversensitive and reactive 
Is it hard to understand that people sit and speculate and say Tokyo Sekwale, and quite boldly say so, Tokyo Sekwale was fired simply because he's a hangover from Mangaung and supported the wrong side. Fikile Mbalula and, and Paul Mashatile ought to have gone the same way, save for the fact that the one is the chairperson in Gauteng of the ANC and is required absolutely uh, to campaign for your party. Uh, you also have... Uh, Fikin Mbalula, who needs as a fine mm-hmm. rhetorician to match the rhetoric of a, of a, of a, of a, of a emerging economic freedom fr- uh, f- fighters, uh, Julius Malema. So, so there's clear political rationale for why these guys wouldn't have gone. And mm-hmm. if objectively speaking, if, if, if Minister Chabane was absolutely right, there are several other ministers who ought to have gone simply because there's no movement in the departments in which they're actually exercising executive authority. Uh, education may be one of them. Uh, now, people will say, no, you're just being funny about Angie Motsecha and the fact that there was a Limpopo delivery scandal. Well, I'm afraid that's not, in fact, the case. There's issues around norms and standards, which she say haven't been agreed upon, but apparently, towards the end of last month, there's been agreement on these norms and standards at NETLAC. What's happened about those agreements uh, which have been made? Have, is there a monitoring and evaluation report that, that that agreement has been reached and that there's been no movement or discussion or implementation around them in the, in the education department? What What's the blockages if there is this uh, monitoring and evaluation of, of, of a portfolio? Well, you've got bad inputs in the education system. You've got a quality. You've got quality issues. So you know, there's, 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 if you independently evaluate all ministers, then there's, I suppose, very good reason why others ought to have gone. And here, it's quite clear that there is a balancing between political punishment and reward. Raymond mentioning earlier on Professor Figeni on uh, guidelines and continuity in strategy just on this whole issue of policy and the minister saying that uh, the prerogative of the president to choose cabinet ministers is in fact protected by the constitution. It was negotiated during the draft of the constitution. I want to talk about the rationale behind that. Uh, and perhaps if we can also look at that vis-a-vis the importance of having a layer of technocrats within a department to ensure that should there be a change of the political head, uh, the policy continuity is then ensured? Well, I would say that uh, what is most important in this case is the fact that even though the Constitution's intention was to make sure that the catechists are exercised and there was no, uh, you know, humiliation of people as they are released because they may be deployed somewhere. So those political catechists, but there is still a reason to talk about accountability, especially in the most obvious cases where, for example, like Dinapule, there was a joint ethics committee and investigation had taken place, or in the case of Shikaka, where Tulima Donzela's report, uh, you know, had come out and so forth, and many others. So in this particular instance, <clears throat> I do think that if in those cases, a direct explanation as to why people were being relieved was provided. It would raise the level and the bar in terms of accountability, but also would send a very strong message on the issue of fighting uh, mismanagement as well as corruption. But for as long as we dodge and duck, then it remains opaque 
conspiracy theories are abound, and all those things tend to cloud, you know, the space. Whilst it is understood the sensitivity of saying when you reshuffle, I've released so-and-so because of, I've taken so-and-so because of, it's not to that extent, but there are very specific, obvious cases. I'm going to take calls 891 in just a moment. Just a final question on this particular issue, Professor Figeni. What is the impact on policy turnover when there are new ministers in a period which one might even consider unnecessary? Well, the first one, I remember that it's a mixed bag because you take Kosas and Azuma in your reshuffle into home affairs, then things tend for better, and that's what we're always hoping for. But in a majority of other cases, the discontinuity is such that when you implement a new policy, you spend money, sometimes in billions in areas like education. When you discontinue that policy, you spend money. And besides, you do not develop people who are confident and comfortable of their expertise on any given subject because they know that any policy document has a very short shelf life. And that in itself could be a big problem. But at another level, where you do have bureaucrats who are supposed to have institutional memory of the department, when ministers change. The problem is that they know that the turnover of senior bureaucrats as well is such that they should actually abandon anything they know from before, lest they are accused of being aligned to the previous person and therefore resistant to change. And that has created a lot of problems, empirical evidence, is that South Africa has the highest over one of the highest turnovers in the world of DGs, for example. And that is one of the evidence. And in many instances, reasons provided is due to unresolved and irreconcilable differences between the minister and the DG. Thank you very much, uh Professor Figeni, let's take calls now, 0891 Minister, we'll return to you in just a moment, but let me take some of the calls. Um, we'll start with Navari in Nelspreet. Good morning, morning, Kepiso, uh, Minister Chavane and Mafigeng and the, the, the rest of the panel. <coughs> I want to, to dismiss the notion that uh, uh, really uh, this uh, has impact on the, on the policy implementation. I mean, the, the fact must be told that uh, Mr. Chavane has raised this matter that there was a discussion about how the president must appoint ministers uh, uh, pre-1994. And the fact is that the agreement is that on the basis of the prerogative of the president, the appointment of ministers is squarely on the feeling of the president and his political alignment and his, you know, those that he trusts. So it can't have been the issue that uh, when we appoint ministers, uh, uh, the issue of competence, the issue of capabilities are taken into cognizance in many senses. The issue is about how the president feels about particular individuals. So he can move them around and nothing could change. Particularly when you have competent bureaucrats. In South Africa, in fact, ministers play a very minimal role. You can actually have a department running without a minister. Okay. So the input there is that marginal. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, Lumkile Sipo and Carl, if I could ask you to please keep it brief. Uh, Lumkile in Cape Town? 
morning, morning, morning. You know, let me give Mr. Leverman down. I want to be brief, man. I want to go to the minister to ask a question, man. Minister, man, uh, how do you deal with this, uh, uh, this department who are overspending their budget unnecessarily? I'm talking each week, so it's a function, you know? And then in that function, they, they start the IIK catering company, and then they come here, and then they, they, they give that catering company for the day 100,000 or 150. Do you monitor the, those monies that are spent in the unnecessary minister? Okay. So thank you very much. Thanks, Pumalanga. You say reshuffles have an impact on policy. It does. It does in a very big way. Because of the, the higher echelon, I'm talking about the people very close to the minister. If the minister goes, those people have to go as well. And because those people have been capacitated in terms of induction and other things, so we're running at a loss. And the turnaround time is actually delayed. These are the things that bring about uh, the, 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 the so-called the impact that we are talking about. So it is not correct to say it doesn't impact negatively on the whole. It does in a big time. Thank you. Thanks, Sipo. Kyle, in Durban, reshuffles will have a huge impact on governance. So you also agree with Sipo? I absolutely do. I think it's unnecessary to have a conversation like this, only although it is necessary because I think it educates the population as we listen in, and it's a very interesting discussion. But my experience is in teaching, and I'd like to draw an analogy. It seems almost ridiculous that we need to have a discussion about whether changing personnel makes any difference to the impact of the policy. The answer is obviously it does. Now, I was a teacher, as I say, and the analogy is this. I, I had a class that I had to take over from another teacher. It can take as much as months or years to get used to that class, those children, and I would say that those children are the South Africans who are being led by our government. You get a different teacher, she, ha- she acts in a different way, responds in a different way, has different teaching methods. It takes her a long time to get to know what they know, what's been done, what shouldn't have been done, things that have gone wrong, things that have gone right, how she's going to approach them, how she's going to deal with all the other members on the staff, the headmaster. Of course it impacts, it mm. impacts enormously, mm. and it impacts negatively. It takes a long, long time for that person to get used to his new job. How the government can send someone to say on this program that it doesn't matter, the president has the prerogative to change, the prerogative to change around, and it doesn't matter, it has no impact. I don't think, I don't know how they can believe, expect the the people in South Africa to to have such a small brain capacity as to believe them. Thanks a lot, I'm afraid I have to move on. It's obvious that the president has just made these changes because they suit him, or the things have got so embarrassing. I do have to move on, but thank you very much for your call, Kylie in uh, Durban. Just to read uh, some of your SMSs and tweets, Dao Dona writes on uh, Twitter, Dear Minister Chabani, uh, does he think that there is a movement in the Department of Basic Education? Basically, is Angie going, doing a great job? And also on Twitter, Rantla M says, will Collins Chabani give us insight on the performance and delivery agreements? Should we assume these are not reshuffled have done well? SMSs, all the reshuffles are as a result of non-delivery. Why even a successful businessman, Mr. Sohwale, failed to deliver? NC must look at this carefully. Staying KZN says, Bafana writes, when the team is not performing, the coach gets the chop. Why is Zuma not asked about his wrong choices? Filani in Soweto, new minister can easily strengthen the policy application because he has identified weaknesses. Brian Kumalo on, from Peter Maritzburg on SMS also says, if the minister is recalled, does Director General go with him or her? For example, Tabani Zulu of Human Settlement. 
And uh, this one says, stop guessing and check the minister's performance agreements and assess from there. Reshuffle so often shows Zuma can't appoint the right people. No leader, says Marie. And um, let's see, this one is from Vuyo in Cape Town. The president has prerogative to appoint ministers and surely selects those he believes are capable to deliver when he reshuffles or removes them. It means failure of that minister and failure of the president to appoint the right people. And uh, we'll read more of your SMSs just so that we can wrap up with our guest minister. Perhaps if you just want to deal with uh, some of the callers there, Navari uh, and Sipo, and but, but but Kylie really emotional about this, and it's something that seems to bother people. I mean, the SMSs here are saying that does government adequately, if at all, report back to the people, uh, civil society, that this minister is performing or not performing in line with these set objectives? Firstly, thank you very much. I think uh, I think people have made very very important and interesting comments, but I think there are two issues which overarch everything. There's, mm-hmm. the, there's likely to be, there's, it seems to me that there is a confusion between policy and the implementation of policy. Now, in terms of our system, the the policies of government, as you'd know, are adopted in the ANC policy conference and then the national conference. In the, in, in the instance where the ANC is the ruling party as it is now. And it is those which are transformed into manifestos and then into the program of government. For you to change that, you will have to go to an ANC conference for that to be changed. But the implementation thereof is for those who have been given the responsibility to implement. So if you say the question for for example, the the change in cabinet or the change in cabinet during after elections or the reshuffles in the, in, in the, in the middle, does it change policy? Yes, it doesn't change policy. What might change is the implementation and the process of implementation and the focus as to what that is supposed to happen. The second part relates to the issue of the turnover of directors general. It's true that there's a high, there's a high level of a turnover of directors general. Uh, the cabinet has recognized that fact and has taken steps to correct that. Firstly, you, re- you would recall that in 1994, there's what was called a sunset clause because we had to transform the, the public service. And therefore, it impacted on how the directors general and senior officials in departments are going to be appointed. And then at some point, they said, no, no, look, let's, let's make the term of the directors general to be three years. And in, in 2009, we said, in 2010, we said, no, three years is too short a term for a director general to be sitting there and drive the implementation of programs because the first year is still learning, the second year is start looking for a job. And the term has been extended to five years renewable. But still you have the challenge that sometimes from time to time when there are changes in the political, in the political uh, office, uh, it, uh, it's impact on the changes on, 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 the, on the heads of the department. That point is, has, been, has been recognized. You recall that the, the NDP also raised it. But even before the NDP, cabinet had begun to take steps to reform that system to ensure that at least there is a level of stability. At, at the level of administration, so that at least implementation should continue. So it's correct that the, the impact of the turnover of uh, heads of departments has been worrying cabinet, has been worrying the president and everybody else, and the steps are being taken to correct that. And through the implementation of the national uh, plan, we will be able to correct those issues and change the policy when necessary to ensure that that does not happen. Just to round off quickly, Ibrahim Fikir, you know, the, the question of the efficacy of reshuffles comes up time and time again. Uh, the question was asked about uh, competent bureaucrats. 
the question is, do we have that in South Africa? Do we have competent bureaucrats? Do we create an environment to ensure that people do want to stay in, in the civil service for, for a very long time? Look, I think we've got several problems. It's not to say that we don't have competent and skilled people. I also don't think that as a matter of principle, the question of cater deployment is the wrong one because often the question of cater deployment is one which is impugned and maligned in this case. Now, in principle, it's not the wrong one, but I think repeatedly what we're finding is that you can have good cater deployment and you can have very bad or in some cases terrible cater deployment. And I think in our system what's been happening is it's simply because the calculation of cater deployment has been so narrow political hinged on not just the objectives of the party but more more importantly the objectives of an individual then we've had not just bad cater deployment we've had terrible cater deployment which is why we've seen some of the problems in administration that we have not just politically at the ministerial level but also at the level of director general sometimes there are absurd decisions being made by the ANC by deploying into the administration that means at the level of director general someone who is politically senior in the party even to the minister, and then you have problems with oversight, you have problems with accountability, simply because you think someone who's meant to be accountable and meant to be the accounting officer thinks, I'm actually more politically powerful than you. Why, why do you think I'm going to sit before a portfolio committee or before a minister and account? So sometimes those indiscreet decisions matter. Recruitment matters in the public service. I mean, I think we sometimes have willy-nilly recruitment practices. Of course, there's the, there's the Z83, there's, of course, there's the forms you fill out, of course, there's a checking process, but I think the minimum okay. requirements are not stringent enough to, to, to recruit. I'm going to leave it there with you, Ibrahim Fikir. But just very quickly, uh, Professor Figeni, uh, the Minister was talking about the implementation of policy, subordinate legislation. That's a very important factor. The question is, once uh, there has been proclamations and regulations and acts made by ministers and published, do new ministers who come into that portfolio follow through with that? If you can, very briefly. Well, I do think that it is the intention and the government has recognized that, but so far it doesn't follow. It's a matter of the personality of the minister coming in and the alignment with the bureaucrats uh, that they find there or bring on board that determine the direction and the actual interpretation of what should be implemented. And that in itself has created the kind of instability which, if it is sustained, will lead to the generalized state weakness to deliver. Thank you to all of you for your time and insights. Minister Collins Chabani, Minister in the Presidency for Performance Monitoring and Evaluation, Ibrahim Fakir, Manager, Governance, Institutions and Processes at the Electoral Institute for the Sustainability of Democracy in Africa, ASA, Professor Somat Dota Figeni, Professor Junisa, Independent Policy and Political Analyst. Thank you to the team, Tracy Boomgard, Misho Shandlale, Nzwaki Ku, Gwenze Gilian, Atiyah, Senior Producers, Lungile Mabaso, Tlenyiwe Mabaso, Technical Producers, Nabo, Munana and Easy Padayachi, foreign producers Ronald Piri and Jake Mukoma, chief producer Wuzulukota, executive producers Busi Chani and Obesity.